You're listening to Behind the Wheels with Doug Mason, Dave Walters, and Mike Yeagley. This is a show where we talk about heavy truck and medium-duty axolands. Doug, Dave, and Mike bring close to 100 years of experience and expertise in the transportation business. Join us once a month to learn new things about axolands. Sponsored by Alcoa Wheels, the global leader in aluminum wheel innovation. Welcome to another episode of Behind the Wheels. I'm Mike Yeagley. I'm Doug Mason. And I'm Dave Walters. So today we're going to be talking about wide base wheels. And if we have time, we're going to dive into some some other applications, maybe severe service, but we'll see. Really, this all came about when we were talking a little bit internally here about, you know, what is it that customers are looking for from wide base wheels? There's a lot of knowledge we have in our shop. There's a lot of people who work for Alcoa Wheels and not everybody as an expert on what the customers need. So we thought it would be a really good idea to sort of get our understanding, at least at this point in time, out on a podcast to sort of give the lay of the land. Now, the market is a very dynamic place. What we're saying today is going to be changed by the marketplace, I guarantee it, in the next five or 10 years. But at least at this point in time, we'll be telling you the way we see things. And we'll also be spending a little bit of time pointing out those places where you have something like fuel cost. You know, fuel cost affects the market and it affects wide base usage and how that all happens. Before we went online, uh, before we started recording, I was asking Dave about why we're not using, uh, the whole industry has gone to the 14-inch wheel for wide-based applications here in North America. And I was asking Dave, you know, why did we move away from the 13-inch, the 12 and a quarter for those wide-based applications and drive and trailer applications? And I'm just going to, I'm going to ask you, Dave, why don't we go start from there? What happened years ago? was, you know, the industry came out with some wide base. And wide base was normally used on steer axles on vocational vehicles. So cement mixers, uh, coal trucks, logging trucks. So what they did was they came out with these wide base wheels and they stuck basically construction tires on these wheels. You know, replacing a set of duels, they were lighter. Uh, The tires were definitely a lot heavier you know, the construction type tires, but as a wheel tire, you took off weight off your truck. So immediately certain segments of our industry, like gasoline hauler, cryogenic gas haulers, and those could see an instant return on revenue. They switched to those very quickly. You know, there were some over the road type of trucks that switched to that, but really when you got down to it, the tires were really designed to be construction type tires and so they did somewhat well but not fantastic so then when they came out with the 445 tires and the 455 tires they were designed to actually be over the road tires so there's your Mali their lighter weight uh, the durability of you know what they're designed to do did a lot better so our country kind of switched to that so here you were saving weight plus there was definitely fuel mileage gain on those. So at the time, a lot of fleets were very interested in those two concepts. Since then, a lot of fleets 
you know, the price of fuel right now is, is very low and the tires have gotten to be, you know, more expensive. So they really weigh two things is the cost of the tire and the fuel savings and all this stuff. Is it right for my fleet? So it's really fleets deciding that. But if you're in a tanker and cryogenic collar, they're still 100 uh, percent tire wear issues, especially on drives. Trailers, you really have good tire life. On the drives, you could reduce your tire life by like 50 percent. So there's a lot of things that they weigh out. It's really a fleet decision on which product they would like. One of the things that like you said, the fuel prices right now, and at the moment they're running floating around two bucks a gallon for diesel, maybe a little higher in some places, maybe a little lower in some places. That is a game changer for wide base. You know, a few years ago, it might have even been like 10 years ago, we were seeing fuel prices double that diesel fuel prices double or even more. And I would imagine that in that environment, wide base gets very appealing, sort of like what we see in Europe. Yeah. And another thing to take a look at, too, is Wide Base has been on the market for a, a number of years now. The early 2000s, Dave, I think they started coming out. And uh, the rolling resistance was significantly better uh, with the Wide Base. And as talking to the different fleets who are you know, evaluating this, we've seen that the other tire companies are within the own tire company. The standard duels, the rolling resistance is improving with uh, the material improvements, with uh, the design that they know uh, how to implement to reduce rolling resistance, which is one of the best benefits for the, the fuel savings, is the gap is getting smaller. And so again, the, the benefit from a fuel mileage savings is re being reduced between a sa standard set of duels with low rolling resistance tires and wide base uh, with the rolling resistance that they have. So I think it's a combination of both. There are definitely very strong segments, as you noted, that really benefit from uh, the wide base. Uh, trailers, you're mentioning Dave, and flatbeds, um, the different applications there. Uh, but I think it'll, we'll see it going up and down. And I'm sure that uh, those Tire manufacturers mm -hmm. making the wide base are continuing to try to drive the rolling resistance improvement there as well. So it'll be a constant moving target, but it is uh, a niche segment for the most part. What I would say is as our industry evolves around fuel costs, you know, fuel is by far the biggest expense that the, these fleets deal with on a daily basis, but tire costs are number two. Fuel is definitely the number one by a long ways, but you have to stay in mind with the tires and the costs and all that. It's a moving target. And as I will state, on the drives, there's a lot of reduction in tire life. On the trailers, there's really no reduction. So again, it's a, it's a decision. And you know, what I've learned in my years in this industry is these fleet maintenance directors are, are very sharp at figuring out what's their cost and what's, you know, what makes sense for them. And, and they do an excellent job. So it's really a fleet decision. And Dave, isn't there a, a they've, you know, come a long ways too in automatic uh, tire inflation systems, which really are even more critical on the wide base uh, than in a dually situation. Obviously, you've only got one tire on the road and you're looking at its life from a wear perspective. Uh, so critical to keep the tire pressure uh, where it needs to be. And uh, it's easier to do in the trailers, obviously. Uh, so that has also, I think, helped with the life of the wide base. And 
allowing that to continue to be used in, in more applications by some of these newer technologies that are coming on. Absolutely. I mean, wide-based, the inflation systems have really done, and they're mostly the active systems are on the trailer. The fleets understand, hey, I can maybe run these on the trailer and I'm not going to have all the other issues. And again, it's always been if I go down, when a wide base goes down, you know, the service calls are such an expense and you can't limp it back to a truck stop. There's so much decision-making in what they do, but active inflation systems have really helped because that's always been something that, you know, road calls are so expensive and they understand that. So the active system has really helped. One area that I don't know, I honestly don't know what kind of attention it gets is on the OEM side. Um, The government put out what they call the GEM calculator. And what the GEM calculator does is it takes a, a truck setup you know, what kind of engine you've got, what kind of tires you've got, what kind of wheels you've got, what kind of drivetrain, and the whole bit, you know, the, the weight of the truck, everything. And it calculates the fuel savings versus a base truck. And so one of the things that's in that calculator is wide base, wide base wheels, wide base tires. And uh, an OEM can get credits toward with the EPA uh, efficiency, green technology or whatever. The, the, and it's, it escapes me what the specific terminology is, but it gets these credits for using wide base wheels. And the reason I say I don't know how much attention is being given to that is because every time I've spoken with anybody in that business and the, with the OEMs, their focus is on the, on the big ticket items of the engine and the drivetrain. And they don't typically get down to looking at getting the, the little bit of savings they can get from going to what, having wide base, uh, a higher percentage of wide base on their portfolio. That's probably the only area that I, I know that the fleets, because the fleets, you, like you said, Dave, the fleets from, that, from a maintenance manager standpoint, they are, those maintenance managers are just so sophisticated and they're looking at exactly their specific situation. When you get up to the OEM level, you've got people looking at all the different applications out there, all the different fleets. They've got all this complexity they're trying to consider. And I don't know if there's really a lot of attention that gets to the the benefits of wide base for the OEM level, but that's probably the only area that I know of, you know, they might be able to work their way through. But I agree with you wholeheartedly on the fleet level. I think those guys are really on top of everything that's going on. I got another question. I believe that this is the case, but they've also significantly improved the retreadability of the wide base tires. I thought when they first came out, that was one of the the issues, but that has improved. And, and Dave, you probably know that better than I do, but that would go a long ways uh, toward the uh, the life as well and the benefit of the wide base, correct? Yeah, I mean, one of the big things was retreads, and retreads gigantic in our industry. When they first came out and there wasn't a lot of them, that's been a big issue is the retread ability because one time the casings weren't out there. It's, you know, on the road, can you get another one? Can you get something that's that? I mean, all those things were a big factor at first. And as I would say, these, these major fleets can solve all their own issues. They made that more readily available. So they didn't like you know, first they wanted you to exchange casings, so you wouldn't even know you were getting your own casings. And 
casing life is basically made up of inflation pressures. And if you're a fleet and you spend a lot of time making sure your inflation pressures are correct, you don't really want somebody else's casing because you don't know what their practices are. So there was a lot of issues with that at first. They've kind of ironed those out. As I would say, these guys, I'm amazed every time I talk to them because they know their costs, the cost of the tire, the cost per mile of this, what's it getting them in the fuel mileage is this, you know, can they haul any more weight? Is their loads changed or, you know, as the truck changes and they're putting more after treatments on, they're getting heavier. Can they offset all these costs and what's the general load? I mean, these guys are, are marvels of what they do. They figure out a lot of costs and how to do that for their fleet. My introduction to wide base wheels was a few years ago. My deep introduction to wide base wheels was a few years ago when we had the two-inch outset issues on, on trailer applications. Um, or I'm sorry, and, uh, and drive axle applications. And the industry has, I think, solved that for the most part. I haven't heard a whole lot about that. Basically, for our listeners who aren't familiar with that, uh, there was a premature bearing failure when you had a two-inch outset wheel. And basically, what was happening was there were some lower quality bearings that, that found their way into the marketplace. And so when you had the two-inch outset wheel, the, the center of the tire uh, created a little bit of a moment arm on those bearings and it you know, wore out the bearings prematurely. And there was all sorts of problems in the market. You know, and now that's the, either the, the fleets have gone to the zero offset, I think, in a drive axle application. Typically, I think they're at zero offset. And so they're they're sticking with that last I heard. Is that still the case, Dave? Back when we were going through that, there's... P spindles and there's end spindles and then one's tapered bearings and one are other type of bearings and the fleets are very quickly to say hey look if I spec a P spindle I was not having this trouble if I spec an end spindle I was so a lot of right. those changes in PMC wrote an RP um, the industry got involved uh, again the the tractor and the trailer we wrote an RP saying hey on a tractor you can use up to a one inch outset but no more trailers right still dominantly on two which you know tracks out to to the dual so again those guys really got involved with that that was a major thing there but what i've always said is certain fleets i'm amazed because you know they they would go to a different bearing package with a p-spindle and the problem went away overnight. They, they're very good at adjusting. If a product doesn't work for them, they adjust very quickly. And I'm amazed at how quick the truck industry adapts to an issue and say, okay, well, here's what I can do. And I'm not going to have that problem. You're yeah. absolutely right. It was a big issue for a while. It's really gone away because the education of, of you know, the P's and the N's, and they know which ones work now for them, which ones don't. Uh, that was actually, I, I made a lot of friends in the industry. I found myself in the middle of it somehow, and I got to know a lot of people there. And it was, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about wide base and about axe lines uh, going through the, the traps on that one. 
you know, we're pretty much set with wide base, at least here in North America. Of course, there's the wide base, like we said, quick, we alluded to very quickly early on, is that wide base is much more popular in Europe, especially in trailer applications. I was over there, uh, I think last year, a year and a half ago, and um, every trailer I saw, 1175 tires, 1175 wheels on it. I think, Dave, you pointed out exactly what that is. The fuel costs in Europe are just through the roof compared to what we've got here. And so that has them chasing every penny. The fuel efficiency that you get from the 1175 wheels on the trailer applications, they see the financial benefit for that, that additional fuel efficiency going to wide base. But we're not seeing it here primarily because of the, the low cost. Is that just a quick summary of the global marketplace? Yes. I mean... In your trailer market, over my years of experience that I have seen, you just don't lose any tire mileage at all. You know, a lot of fleets are like, wow, this is not a bad application. Keep them on trailers. It's the drives where they really start to get in. And the European trucks only are a single drive, too. So running a basically a 4 by 2 instead of a 6 by 4 over here, it's very beneficial to them in their applications of how they run their trucks. Right. Let's move on. Uh, unless you have any last comments, anybody? Uh, maybe you could just do a, a, just a wrap up of what we're saying are the best applications for a wide base. Okay. Well, I'll take the first one, you know, best application, you know, for a wide base is going to be the bulk haulers, any sort of bulk hauling where you make money for every pound you save in your vehicle weight. Uh, you can translate that into additional carrying capacity. When I look around in the North American marketplace, I think wide base has pretty much at this moment seems to be pretty much constrained to that market. Dave, is there anything, any other part of the marketplace that I'm not thinking of? And again, as, as Doug brought up, the active systems have really helped. So a yeah. fleet that, you know, they're running an active system they're really not losing much on the things and they can gain the extra weight and probably some fuel mileage advantage. It's really to them is this tire cost and, and all that going to play out. They're much more receptive on trailers than drugs. Right. That's really the niche is trailers. But if you're a gasoline or a cryogenic or, you know, every ounce counts, they're going on the drives and we can offset that by, the weight we haul, it's its really a decision, but I would definitely say trailers are more apt to have them than the drives right now in this country. So there may be more uh, more applications out there from a, a trailer perspective uh, moving forward than, uh, than we see currently. But the, like you said, Mike, the bulk hauler market really is, is pretty much satisfied based because of the significant hauling benefits. So good, good discussion. Yeah, very good discussion. Thanks. So the next thing we wanted to touch base on, and we seem like we have a little bit of time, is severe service. Dave, I th <laughs> severe service is one of those things. Just so for our, our listeners who aren't familiar with the term severe service, Alcoa Wheels has basically the, the highest volume applications up there, the 22 and a half by eight and a quarter, I think 24 and a half by eight and a quarter. We have our, our standard wheels that we sell that are for 95% of the people out there. But then there's going to be the severe service applications, those high load applications that they need a little bit more carrying capacity out of their wheels. Logging, 
there's all sorts of different applications that that are going to be needing those severe service wheels. I wanted to talk a little bit about that and maybe give a few war stories, Dave. You're the one who's out there. When you go out to see these customers that are having wheels cracking on them, they buy our standard wheels. The wheels are cracking left and right, primarily because they're overloaded. And you're the one who's who's sort of guiding them toward that severe service application. Do you have any insights or any, love to hear war stories on this one. Well, I got lots of them, that's for sure. Severe service wheel, I'll be honest with you. I remember years ago coming to our engineering manager and saying, there are fleets in the vocation industry that loves aluminum wheels, but as we continue our lightweighting, that's really not what they need. They need the strength and durability of some of the wheels. And so basically we made a decision to have a severe service in a 22 five, eight and a quarter and a 24, five, eight and a quarter, because if you're a coal hauler or if you're uh, logging industry or cement or what we call the vocation types, you know, a, a refuge truck and those, it just makes sense to have a severe service wheel made for that application. Uh, you know, we talked earlier about tires being made for over the road or construction type. So we basically made a wheel that's that's for that. And I'll give you an example. There was a coal truck fleet in uh, Pennsylvania, and the guy was breaking a number of wheels in a year. I mean, a very high number. He was running a tire. He probably should have been running a nine inch, but he didn't want to have a nine inch on the front and the uh, duels not match. So he wanted to run a 24, five, eight and a quarter the whole way through the truck. So when we made the severe service wheels, I used to see this guy about every six months as he brought over the warranty wheels to us. And all of a sudden, he called me the one day and he's like, I miss going out to lunch with you. Could you come by sometime? Because you put me on these severe service and I've never broken one of these things. And <laughs> it's just like we put them on the right wheel for his application. You just feel like, wow, we made one change to give him the wheels that he needed. Alcoa should be very proud because, as Mike said, it's probably 5% of the market or it's not a big segment of the market, but we make a wheel that, you know, if you're in a vocation type of truck that you can put on these wheels and they're going to take the punishment. Uh, there's just a story where you know we put some lightweight wheels on a uh, transfer truck and you know when they take their garbage out of a transfer station into a landfill trip after trip that's a rough application they put them on tipper trailers and they or they might have a walking floor trailer i mean they're in the stuff every day and the one guy says wow you know like i understand why we spec severe service wheels you know it's they are made to do a vocation type of job. Absolutely. We took that concept of the severe service wheel, and Europe now has their own, they call it the workhorse wheel. It's a very similar concept, a very, very strong wheel. And when we went to China, the learnings that we had in the severe service marketplace really positioned us well when we first went to China. In China, 
everybody over overloads, everybody overinflates, especially back then. The Chinese government has come down on that a little bit. They've, they've put a lot more scales in throughout the country. So they're not seeing the overloading that they used to. But I'll tell you that severe service marketplace and the learnings that we had there were critical to going out into these other places, these other markets in the world, and really giving them what they needed to succeed right out of the box. It's funny how how all these things work together. You go and help out some some uh, like you said, Dave, a relatively small component of the of the market, but then that that's a launching pad to go out and do some really good things globally. To give you an example, another one is like Canada, for example. Legal loads in Canada are 129,000 pounds, where in the U.S. they're mostly 80. And you get into a truck that's, say, for example, uh, running a spread axle flatbed trailer at those type of loads, you need a severe service wheel. So what I say is when you go out to these people who's having wheel issues, you can say, hey, look, we make a wheel that's going to help you out of this. And I found more customer satisfaction of saying, wow, you guys actually care about us because a lot of people don't care about the 5% or the the smaller number percentage people. They want the over the road guys and that's what they look for. So I've been a real component of severe service. and, And like you said, now it's going to Europe, China, and, and the rest of the world. Another thing to take a look at too is, in my mind, also be an application where we see a lot of flange wear with these specific uh, severe service type applications. And there's uh, a way that we've addressed that as well, or the market has addressed that with uh, uh, what we call duraflange, and, you know, obviously on our coal wheels. But uh, this would apply to this application pretty heavily, wouldn't it? Yes, absolutely. You hit the nail on the head there, Doug, because really what this segment is, is these guys who do a lot of vocation, they unequivocally get more rim flange wear than an over-the-road truck. So, you know, what we see mostly in Canada is Duraflange wheels on severe service, and it's solving a couple problems. And a lot of the coal haulers that I've dealt with will spec Duraflange and it just makes sense. It's it's a severe service wheel put in applications that are extremely rough. And everybody says, why don't they buy a steel wheel? Well, a forged aluminum wheel is actually stronger than a steel wheel because it's two pieces welded together. So they're getting the strongest wheel and it's more durable than that. And so they see a great advantage to it. And it's it's been a very... Like I said, I am so happy that we have that option because if you went out to a fleet and said, wow, I don't think we'd take a wheel for this. They don't like that. They like options, you know, and like I said, as we talk, they they understand their business. And I think as vendors, you know, we talk about TMC. I think when we get together in those rooms and we talk about their issues, it's easy to understand that, hey, we listened to you. We made wheels, say, for example, uh, the refuge industry, they're stopping a ton of times and they needed a more severe service wheel. And, you know, we came out and made some of those and even went to nine inch because they went to bigger tires because of the load. So, I mean, many things that we've done with severe service. 
Okay. Well, I think that pretty much covers it for both wide base and severe service. I hope everybody has enjoyed this episode of Behind the Wheels. We'll be getting back with you next time. Thanks for listening. Sponsored by Alcoa Wheels, the global leader in aluminum wheel innovation, manufacturing, and technology. Inventing the first forged aluminum wheel in 1948, its team of experts continue to develop the most lightweight, efficient, and high-performing commercial vehicle aluminum wheel products bringing you revolutionary innovations like Alcoa Durabright wheels, Alcoa Durablack wheels, the new Alcoa wheels hubboard technology, and the lightest truck wheel on the market, Alcoa Ultra One 22 and a half by eight and a quarter wheel. Alcoa wheels, the global leader in aluminum wheel innovation.